This is the Shanice Lewis Show, the number one podcast for plus-size women. With your host, the queen of curvy conversation, Shanice Lewis. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Janice Lewis. Today is Monday, August 7th, 2019. Make sure you're following the show's social media pages on Facebook at The Shanice Lewis Show and on Instagram and Twitter at Shanice Show. And make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. The Shanice Lewis Show is an official media partner of the 2019 TCF Expo happening August 9th through the 11th at the Omni Hotel at the CNN Center in Atlanta. For tickets and for more information, visit www.tcfstyleexpo.com. Today, we have a very special guest. Nikki Gilbert Daniels is a founding member of the Grammy-nominated group Brownstone and one of television's most sought-after executive producers. As the CEO of No Ego Entertainment, an entertainment production company, she created TV1's most popular docu-franchise, R&B Divas, and the popular BET Network series From the Bottom Up and her upcoming documentary film Broken Things. Nikki's intense passion for all that she does effortlessly manifests itself into her many accomplishments, including deals and partnerships with the legendary Michael Jackson of MJJ Records, super producer Tyler Perry, and television mogul Queen Latifah. She is also an entrepreneur who launched Curvado clothing line for the niche plus size market. Nikki will be a featured speaker at the 2019 TCF Style Expo August 9th through the 11th in Atlanta, and we are so excited to catch up with Miss Nikki today. Let's welcome her to the show. So Nikki has not called in yet. We are waiting for her to call in. She's a very busy person, so hopefully we'll have a chance to catch up with her today before the uh, expo. Let's see if we can get her on. If not, we'll have to reschedule. Sending out an email to make sure she didn't forget the time. So um, while we're waiting to see if she's going to call in, make sure you have your tickets for the TCF Star Expo happening this weekend in Atlanta, Georgia. There are a lot of celebrity guests that will be there, many of which you've heard on the last uh, few episodes of this podcast. If you have not um, heard them all, go back and listen to some to see who you have the opportunity to meet this weekend in Atlanta. And actually, I said tickets and more information is at the tcfstyleexpo.com website. But if I'm not mistaken, when I um, interviewed Marie, she said that everything is going to be on the Curvy Fashionista website. So actually, visit the curvyfashionista.com for the latest updates on the expo, the updated schedule, 
and to purchase tickets and any more information about the event. So as I said, we're waiting for um, Nikki Gilbert Daniels, who will be there this weekend. She is um, from the 90s R&B group Brownstone, which I'm pretty sure you're familiar with. They were one of the biggest girl groups in the 90s under Michael Jackson's label, and we're so excited to talk to her. And you might know her from R&B Divas, and here she is. Let's get Miss Nikki on the phone. Hi, Nikki. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Hi, Shanice. How are you, you? I know you're busy. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you great. Okay, great. I'm actually in the studio, so I just wanted to make sure the connection was good. How are you? Thank you for having me. So you're in the studio, and that's where I was going to start with your career in music. <laughs> You were a founding oh. member of the legendary Brownstones, a 90s R&B group signed by Michael Jackson. Now, did you get to work with Michael Jackson directly? Um, yes, I, well, when you say work with him directly, we were signed to his label, and uh, you- that is direct enough for me. <laughs> uh, but in terms of him actually being in the studio with us and, um guiding us through the process. One of the things I really appreciated about being signed to NJJ is that we were given the opportunity to have our creative freedom. So you wouldn't have records like If You Love Me or Grapevine and those records that we really wrote from our experiences and from what we knew at 22 and 23 and 24 years old if you hadn't given us that freedom. So the answer, the quick answer is no. He wasn't involved in the process hands-on but he absolutely listened to the records. We got feedback from Jerry Greenberg and John O'Cohan about the songs and whether or not Michael thought that they were suitable for his brand to be attached. (laughs) So in that sense, yes. uh, Yeah. So what obstacles did you face being a full-figure woman in the music industry? Ooh, obstacles in the industry as a full-figured woman were plenty. Um, I came up at a time when people like uh, Pebbles and, you know, it was just a, you know, a, a space. And, and when I say came up in, I mean, the music that we listened to, a lot of the women, you have Paula Abdul, you were coming out of that whole 80s moment where it was all about fashion and being fabulous. And I didn't necessarily fit that mold coming into it, even in the early 90s you know, one of the sort of prerequisites for a superstar was that you had to have this, like, bomb figure or body. And I'm happy to see now with people like Lizzo and so many other really talented, Sherry Shepard, who's a comedian, just in every area of entertainment, full-figured women are being more accepted. But back in the 90s, it was it was a little harder. Not to say that there was, like, this discrimination, because, of course, you always have representation from Aretha Franklin and Patti LaBelle and some of those amazing singing divas. But being a young 20-something, it wasn't popular to be overweight at all. <laughs> or plus size, now, did you, you like to call it, or curvy. Did you have pressure to... Uh, lose weight by the uh your management or a record label because I looked at your old videos and it mm. was a video that I wasn't familiar with. You were in a red two piece like pleather outfit and you were skinny <laughs> in that outfit. And I was like, I don't remember her like that. Wait, I was in a red leather the red pants and 
you had on the like jacket? tennis shoes that looked like no, it wasn't a jacket. It was like a crop top and matching pants set. Oh, and okay, you all okay, had okay, okay. So you're talking about the kiss and tell video. Oh, okay. Right. I'm like, hold on, because I had red patent leather on a Soul Train Lady of Soul Awards, and it was <laughs> not cute. Um, and that was definitely when I was at my, my bigger place. Yeah, so um, I definitely faced, I think, self-imposed more than anything, self-imposed limitations and insecurities um, onto myself. Because I think if I had been as confident as I am now, and I guess it's all the process, then I wouldn't have you know, have such an issue with it. But I, de- I definitely went through the fad diet. I definitely went through the cosmetic surgery. I de- and that was that phase. So the phase you're talking about for the kiss and tail video when we were, like, super thin and I had the little midriff crop top, I was basically starving myself. And I think that that is a – I know that that is a decision that I made for myself because I wanted to fit into that mold. And I didn't necessarily have to. So, yeah, I absolutely went through that phase. And it's something that I can look back at. Like, you were like, oh, what's that? She looks a little skeletal. And I'll never forget my mom. I came home around that time. And it was right after I had my tummy tuck. And in addition to the tummy tuck, I was, you know, protein, Atkins, you know, nothing but protein. I was on, you know, taking diet pills to, I'm sorry, appetite suppressants to be more specific. And I came home and my mom was like, I need to talk to you. And I was like, well, what's going on? And she was like, are you okay? Are you on drugs? I was like, ma! <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? She was like, you out there in California with those people, and you just don't look like my Nikki anymore. Your cheeks look gaunt, and you look really thin. And I was very thin for my frame. So I want to say to anybody who looks back at that, it wasn't cute internally. It may have been, oh, I can wear anything um, physically on the outside, but internally I was definitely going through some real self-imposed insecurity and taking really drastic measures. Now, Brownstone parted ways in 1998. Why didn't you move mm-hmm. forward with your solo career at that time? Brownstone parted ways in 1998. Is that when we parted ways? Damn, that seems so long ago. I guess it has been 25 years. Um you know, at the time, I was just kind of, I'm a creative in every sense of the word, right? So at the time, I was really at a place where I wanted to be creative in other spaces. So I started acting around that time, I think, is when I did that episode of Martin that still plays to this day. Um, that was around the time I did the Living Single episode and a bunch of other stuff. So I just wanted to explore other creative avenues. We had already gone through a change of members. So I believe, I don't, okay, I'm not going to start quoting years because I'm about to be 50. But um, after Mimi <laughs> left the group, after, right, it's girl, I'm so grown. Um, after Mimi left the group, Tina replaced her. Then after Tina left, I'm sorry, then while Tina was in the group was around the time that Maxie decided she wanted to pursue a different space in music. Um, she wanted to pursue her independence, her own creativity as an artist. So I went to our lawyer's office one day, and they were like, oh, okay, we just want to let you know that you are the last founding member of Brownstone. I'm like, what? So many people think that I was a part of the group disbanding, and maybe in some ways I was, but, but the actual disbanding of the group or when the sort of final member left was when Maxie decided to pursue some things in Europe, which she had some amazing music um, that she created during that time. So I didn't necessarily stop the band or the group situation, 
Um, but I was interested in pursuing other ventures, so I didn't necessarily feel like it was necessary for me to find another member and pursue yet another group. And if my memory serves me correctly, again, I'm 50 or 49, about to be 50. If my memory serves me correctly, I think Kina was willing and interested in us finding someone else, but for me, my spirit just wasn't in it because I felt like that was sort of it, you know, for that chapter. Mm Mm-hmm. So many years later, you created the concept of R&B Divas. Now tell me how that came about. <laughs> R&B Divas. Ooh, that's one. I can't believe it's been so long. It's crazy. So R&B Divas came about, um, I remember exactly when I had the thought of doing the show. I was watching an episode of another reality show or docuseries, whatever and I just remember thinking to myself, this is cool, but a lot of us don't live like this. And what, how dope would it be if you could see not only real women living real lives with real issues and real – and not to say the other shows I was watching that wasn't the case, but I just wanted to see a different perspective on real women living real lives and doing their real thing. And I thought, how cool would it be if all of us were singers? And so many of us have worked together in other areas. Um, R&B Divas – I'm sorry, let me – take it back even before R&B Divas, I produced a play called Soul Kitten Cabaret. And in that play was Selena Johnson, Monifa, Angie Stone. Um, Kenya Moore was even scheduled to perform in the play. She was a good friend of mine. Um, so it was just a really great, and if I'm forgetting anybody, please forgive me. It's been a long work day. But it was about women pursuing their dreams and all the str- struggles and trials and tribulations we went through. And I started filming the behind the scenes and the creativity and the music coming together and the moves coming together and all that. And it was so cool to see, like, you know, what was happening with these women today. Um, I think Selena had just discovered she was pregnant with her first son. So it was a great experience, great uh, musical production. And I was watching this reality show, and I was like, how dope would it be if we did this real woman, real issues, sort of looking, reflecting on what we did with R&B Divas. And I reached out to... Whew, I reached out to everybody. I reached out to Lil Mo. I reached out to Tweet. I reached out to Kelly Price. I reached out to Faith. I reached out to Angie. I reached out to every woman in R&B, and a lot of them were really receptive to the idea. So my husband and I pulled all of our resources together and um, created, you know, flew Selena down, flew Monisa down, created a sizzle reel, um, which is what we use in TV to present. Uh, to the network, and we created this awesome civil real faith. I reached out to Faith and asked if she would come on board and be an anchor for the show, and she was willing to do that. She's been my friend since before she put out her first record. Um, and we just went for it. <laughs> and so then what sort of, you um, have worked with some of these women previous to the show, mm-hmm. and some of them were your friends. So what happens when the cameras roll and then everybody can't get along? Is it because the cameras on you 24-7? I mean, when a ca- first of all, let me say this. As an entertainer, just as a person in general, when cameras are on, even if it's a video camera or your own, you know, camera that you're taking pictures with, you slightly put on a different kind of face, right? Because we want to project mm-hmm. our best image or, you know, we're aware that people are listening and watching, you know, so we put on our TV voice, or our radio voice, which I try to go in and out of, uh, <laughs> keeping it real <laughs> and remembering that I can't keep it all the way real. But uh, I think in that situation, 
it was, and I have to really choose my words carefully because I have a way different perspective on it now than I had seven years ago, right? That's a long time. Like, I'm a grandmother now. It's crazy. Uh, So I have a different perspective on it. So let me choose my words carefully. I believe that R&B Divas was and still has the potential to be um, one of the most successful franchises on television. I do believe that. Um, I think that where the series went um, astray is in thinking more about what the audience wants to see than what the audience wanted to see in terms of indulging in the sort of cattiness and the drama and all that other stuff versus the longevity of the brand and being a brand that people could feel comfortable and safe trusting their careers and their brands too. You know what I mean? So, like, on the one hand, mm-hmm. it's like we know that we could go eat pizza and hot wings and it's good, and we know we shouldn't be doing this shit, but excuse me, this stuff, sorry. But we know we shouldn't be doing this, but we do it anyway because it's good for the moment, but we know long term it isn't working. And that's how I thought of the R&B Divas franchise. I think that at the time the producers, even some of the talent, was like, let's just get these ratings, let's just get people what they want, let's just, you know, keep people in the moment and didn't really think about the long-term effects of some of those choices. And I think now that we've all looked back at it and have a little time to reflect and have perspective, I think that people realize we had a wonderful thing. And the beauty of it is that we've had enough time, I think, to step back and try to do it again the right way. So I could I could go on and on about what had happened was, but at the end of the day, <laughs> it doesn't really it doesn't really matter. And the truth of it, Shanice, is this: I want to be able to share that on the new series. I want people to be able to get an understanding and not that from a negative place, but how these friendships were negatively impacted because of ratings, because that's the, at the end of the day what it boiled down to, and how we restore those relationships and if we can restore those relationships and help restore R&B music. Now, one of the highlights of the show, though, is that you had a platform to introduce some of your other projects one being your clothing line, Curvado Clothing. So tell us yeah. about uh, your clothing line <laughs> for somebody that didn't know you had a line. Tell us a little bit about it. So, yeah, that was oof, that was one of the things that was probably my proudest and most exciting moment in my career, but also became one of the weakest and most broken moments for me, right? So Carvado is a really touchy subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a touchy subject because um, I believed so much in the brand and I wanted so desperately for, um, gosh, I wanted so desperately for it to soar. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like the series and the depiction on the series and some of the setups on the series really negatively impacted Carvado. But we're here to talk about the positivity. So I launched Carvado because my whole life, my whole career, back to those self-imposed insecurities, I fought with the way I looked. I fought with the fact that I was this big, tall, overweight black woman, and it wasn't so acceptable. So Curvado for me was not just about launching a business that I thought would thrive and make people look pretty, but it was also about me sharing a very vulnerable piece of myself with the world and accepting it for myself and letting the world see me go through the process of accepting it in the form of creating this brand 
that was more than clothes, lifestyle. You know what I mean? And we did this big mm-hmm. fashion show, and I had such high hopes for it in the second season that I invested a ton of money, just about everything I made, um, in the next level of Cravado because we launched it in season one. We had the fashion show with all these beautiful models and just the experience of auditioning these women on national TV. I think it was one of the first times on national television where you saw all of these big voluptuous brown and Latina and white women who were so confident auditioning and walking and sharing, you know what I'm saying, in a beautiful way. And I felt like season two was supposed to be the next level of that. And unfortunately for me, um, it didn't pan out that way because then it became, oh, let's see how much of a disaster of this we can create. But that disaster was happening real time in my life because we invested in a studio and we invested in all of these clothes and all of these seamstresses and all of these things. And the picture was painted that it was clothes made in China. And, you know, I was this mean, sort of like cruel, whatever. And it really negatively impacted my spirit. And that in turn negatively impacted the brand and what it was created to be. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't know that because, look, if it's cute and if it's in my size, <laughs> I'm going to buy it. I don't care what happened on TV. You know what? But And I thought, but see, this is where TV and real life sort of meet. So after this amazing fashion show um, with, in New York, shout out to Gwen DeVoe and Rhonda Wilkins, Divas Unlimited, all the people who helped put that together, I was in the middle of conversations with, I guess I shouldn't say the brand, uh, but a, a major brand, like, as big as they get sort of in the plus size space, um, the company that, that, that handles these brands. And there was literally a post that came out the day before my big conversation about me being fired because I was a terror to work with and I was so awful behind the scenes. And I remember the representative who set up the meeting calling me like, oh, there's this article on Radar Online, and it talks about how terrible you are and how awful, and, you know, we're getting a little bit of pushback, but we're going to have the call anyway. And I got on this call with these people, and it, I felt that they had made the decision that they weren't going to work or move forward with me or the brand. And ultimately that's what it was, you know. In the end of the conversation, they thought they wanted to revisit it, see how things went in the next season of the series, and then we would have a conversation in a year, you know, nine months to a year to see where that went. So that was real life, like, blow completely uh, for me because it was the investment that I had made, the blood, the sweat, the tears, now being um, kicked to the curve for the most part because of an image that wasn't the truth. So it took me a long time to get over that. So you put the clothing line on hold. So are we coming back? Are you rebranding? What's right. happening so now? I don't, want the, I don't want everybody to feel, now see, there. that's why you have to be real, but then also remember you can't give it all. Because I don't want people to feel at all um, sorry or sad or down about it because it was the greatest learning experience of my life. It taught me. And I can't blame it all on just the depiction on the show, just in terms of being ready for business and understanding what it was and what it is. So moving into the future with Travato is going to be amazing because I've had seven long years (laughs) to work on restoring not just my brand, but my body, my mind, my spirit, my lifestyle, the things that I pursue, 
the things that I want for myself and other people. And Carvado is going to be a reflection of that moving forward. Um, I'm so excited about the direction that we're headed in. I'm so excited about where independent fashion is headed and Carvado fits in that space. Um, I remember reading an article by Monique C. or seeing an open letter, I believe, online, and she was talking about the competition in the market and how technology has changed a lot of things, and she was taking some time out. I respect that because I feel like that is the time that I took some years ago with Carvado. And now we come back with a vengeance, baby. It's all about Carvado lifestyle. That is like 100% my focus. Um, I can't talk a whole lot about big picture stuff because the infrastructure is still being set up, but Mm CarvadoLifestyle.com will be launching in the fall. It will be amazing. It will be full of beautiful fashion. It's not just going to be things that I design. It's going to be an online boutique as well. We are going to have lifestyle moments where we are actually talking health and fitness. We are going to have guest stylists come in and host moments with women online to help share fashion tips and what works for work from work the office to the club. I'm so excited about the new direction of this brand. I think that this is something that wouldn't have come if I hadn't experienced what I experienced on the show. Nice. Well, that sounds very exciting. I'll be looking forward to seeing it. And yes, this and I'll be calling on be... you. <laughs> oh, please do. Please do. No, absolutely. And, this weekend... and that's what. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that's one of the things I just wanted to add. That's the biggest part of what this new Carvado Lifestyle brand is. I think there are a lot of really great curvy brands in the universe right now, and I think we all need a hub, a few hubs, a few places that we can come to as a collective to work together to build our brands and to make all of these billions of dollars that this curvy industry is generating. So I plan on staying connected with plus-size women like you, and, of course, you were mentioning PCS and the Style Expo. Yes, and you will be there this weekend. Are you excited? Girl, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Every time I'm in a room with Kirby plus size beautiful women, I feel confident and I'm ready. I'm ready to share um, and I'm ready for the future. And the future is Kirby all day. <laughs> and, and so this weekend, you're just going as a speaker. You you won't be having any vendor tables or any product to look at or anything. You're just strictly there as a speaker. So I will have a vendor table. Absolutely. So make sure you come and visit the Carvado. Yes, I will have a vendor table. We will be sharing a lot of what we're doing for the future. I have this really cool T-shirt campaign um, with empowerment. You, If you remember, like, when Carvado first started, we had the whole skinny don't mean pretty, you know, um, all these different things that people really loved. And I think that's one of the things that got me really excited about moving the brand forward because there was, like, this whole empowerment tea thing. So we'll have plenty of those available. We'll also have some samples of some of the new pieces that we're going to have. And we basically want to just connect with people, take pictures, have a great time, and, of course, I'll be speaking. So please come by the Travato Lifestyle booth because we will be at PCF, and I'm super excited about that. Well, yay, I'm glad I asked because I didn't think you were going (laughs) to have something there. So that's good to know. Yes, we are. We're going to have a small booth. So they'll be, like I said, um, and I'm going to give you a little hint. One of the things we're getting into is the fashion sharing world and you being the fashionista that you are let me say that again you being the fashionista that you are knowing all things fashion and plus size 
I think that that space has grown tremendously with people like Rent the Runway and Tuli, and I think even Nordstrom's is getting into it with the what is it, the trunk closet or something. So we're getting into the space of fashion sharing for plus size women on Carvado Lifestyle. So you pretty much will be able to access the wardrobe and wardrobe and wardrobe of all the fashion uses that you love. <laughs> so um, we really didn't have enough time to talk about everything because you got so much going on. 30 minutes really isn't enough. But do you have anything else happening that we should be on the lookout for? Yes, the Brownstone Experience. Please um, look out for that. I'm really excited about it. We will be in Florida August 30th to 31st, and we'll be in D.C. in September. So Brownstone Experience, um, you can find all of that information at brownstonemusic.com or on my Instagram, Nikki Gilbert. Um, I am focused on living my best life, health and fitness, building Carvado lifestyle, and there's a lot of content that will be coming from that online space. And what you doing in the studio right now? You working on brownstone stuff or your solo stuff? No, I was going to tell you, I'm actually not in the recording studio. I'm in, <laughs> I'm in the Curvado Lifestyle Studio. We are building the space oh. up as we speak. So I've been working, right. So I've been working on, um, it's just a bunch of really amazing things to come with this Curvado Lifestyle thing. It's going to be fashion, music, um, empowerment, like I said, mind, body, spirit, health, and fitness. That is just what I'm led to, and I'm focused 100% on making it great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. <laughs> I know you got a lot going on. Thank you for taking the time out to talk to me. I've been a fan of yours since 1990, and I'm still going to support yeah. you, whatever you have going on. Girl, we were only 10 in 1990. What are you talking about? We were children. No, I was I was in high school, and I was watching you on video, right. so. Girl, I was so grown. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you, Shanice. It's wonderful to talk to you. And I will see you this weekend, right? Yeah, I'm the host. Right, but you're going to be busy, so hopefully you'll be <laughs> unbusy enough to give me a hug. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll see you this weekend and continue success. Thank you for having me. All right, bye. All right, bye-bye. And that was the fabulous Miss Nikki Gilbert Daniels. Make sure you check her out this weekend at the TCF Style Expo. She will be on a panel and, as we just learned, have a vendor's table as well. And thank you for tuning in always. I'm your host, Shanice Lewis. Until next time, keep thriving in your curves and be blessed. You've been listening to The Shanice Lewis Show. For more info about the show, visit ShaniceLewisShow.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.